Welcome back to America Speaks. This is the second in our series on the urgent need our county and our city in Los Angeles is focusing on during this challenging time as we in Los Angeles are in a statewide and citywide lockdown due to the COVID-19 outbreak. Today we are delighted to welcome Brenda Barnett, who is head of all of Los Angeles City Animal Care Centers, to America Speaks. Brenda, it's truly a pleasure to have you on our program today. Well, thank you. It's great to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity to be able to get the word out for how people can help us and help the animals. Oh, this is so important, and I think there's a lot of confusion afoot. The first thing I would like to do is ask you to make an overall statement of what is needed the most, and then if you could just alert the public that you are open, that all the shelters are open, and what shelters you are actually in charge of throughout Los Angeles City. And um, just give us your main focus right now, and then we'll break it down a little bit more as we go. Sure. We have uh, six cities here in the city of Los Angeles. We have West Valley out in Chatsworth. We have East Valley up in San Fernando. We have North Central, which is um, in the center of the city on Lacey Street. Um, we have um, West LA uh, out sort of that this shelter that most likely serves um, the Beverly Hills area, uh, and we provide services for Beverly Hills. We have our Chesterfield Square uh, shelter, which is down in the southern part of LA, and then the San Pedro shelter as well. So we have all six of those shelters. Um, they are open by appointment only. Um, you can't just walk in at this time because of the COVID-19. We have to be able to keep our staff safe and safe distancing, not have too many people in the building, and be able to have people keep a safe distance from each other when they're there. So we are operating by appointment. Now, one of the things that staff sort of figured out on their own, and some other groups are doing it around the country, is they complete the paperwork online through email and telephone. And then, uh, particularly for fosters, they will let the foster's car drive up, and then the staff member will take the animal out and meet them at the car so they don't even have to come in. And that's allowed us to double our appointments uh, by not having to have single appointments for everyone. So that's been sort of a new way of operating for us. So what are you experiencing during these first weeks of lockdown with that to evaluate how a potential foster or adopter is meeting the animal for the first time. How is that going? And just give our audience a little bit of um, awareness on that. Sure. Yeah, good idea. When we um, get a call from someone or, or they send us an email, they're interested in a certain dog, either to adopt or to foster, then they get a call back uh, as soon as their application has been filled out and looked over and we make sure all the blanks are filled in. And they, um, we tell them everything we know about that dog or that cat or that bunny. And it could be um, 
you know, they're, they like other dogs. They don't like other dogs. They have done really well in play groups at the shelter where they've been out and socialized with other dogs. It could also be that this dog is a little bit old and a little bit heavy, and he would rather live with someone that, who uh, was a couch potato who liked to read a lot. We'll, we'll give you every bit of information that we have on that animal, and including the medical records on the animal. So if, if there is, you know, um, he's a beast, but he's healthy, um, he's, uh, he's heavy, and he has a little heart murmur, whatever it is, we're going to explain that, and then that will help inform the decision. Of course, the final decision comes when you're actually, if you're going to adopt, when you get there and meet the dog. If you're going to foster, it could be a little bit quicker process, and who knows, you may get that dog home or that cat, and you may decide after a few days, I can never take this pet back. I want to adopt. And, of course, we lovingly call those foster failures. I think it's very important that the public be aware they're bringing a shelter pet into their home and actually saving a life. That's so important for everybody listening. You have no idea what an amazing gift you are giving all of the animals that are in our county and city shelters during this time. So Brenda, can you just explain to the public when you're bringing an animal in who's been through the trauma of being in a shelter environment, they need to allow the animal to decompress and they need to give it time and some space, etc. How would you tell our listeners what to look for? That's a great question because people do expect the animal to come in and to automatically love them to the moon and back and to do everything perfectly. And even, it doesn't matter where you get a dog or a cat, when they come into a new situation, they don't know where they are. So with a dog, I would say, you know, take that dog outside on a leash quite often, you know, every couple of hours until they find out where's the proper place to do their business. Because they could think if they walk through the doorway into the garage, that that's where they do their business. Mm -hmm. Or if they walk from the living room into the dining room, that they've gone through a door and that they're outside. Give them, set them up for success and really do that. And then approach them slowly. Don't rush them. That You know, in a few days, they'll probably be on your lap, on your couch, whether you like it or not. Um, you know, they'll be, they'll be more relaxed and they'll be, trying more things. But in the beginning, I wouldn't rush them. I would go very slow with them. Uh, when you put their food down for them to eat, I would make sure that there are no children, no other dogs, no, other, no one else is around them so that they have free access to their food. Some dogs will protect their food and some don't care. But you want to find that out before you take a chance. The big thing when you bring a dog into your house is to set them up for success. If you really don't ever want them to sit on your couch, then don't start with that. You know, if you don't want them to sleep in the bed with you, don't start snuggling with them in the bed at night because they will be confused by that. And what we find with the shelter dogs is, you know, we don't send dogs out to families who we think or that we're aware of any kind of real behavior problems. Some of them may be a little more shy than others. Some of them, um, you know, may not be. But you just have to go slow with them, give them a chance to acclimate, and give them a chance to fall in love with you as you've already probably fallen in love with them. That's such a great answer. And can we just enlarge upon this a bit? I know Joan and I are always talking about 
how to provide as much attention and uh, potential safety and success and a swift exit for some of the animals in your shelters who are behavioral problems for one reason or another. And sometimes those are the ones that may need a more experienced foster, but we're still keeping our eye on them as well right now, particularly with this situation, this may be a time for a more experienced foster or somebody who perhaps has had a dog all their life is missing that opportunity and really would like to offer some guidance to uh, an animal that needs a little bit more training. So what are you going to tell our listeners for those that perhaps would want to step up for a more challenged case? Well, I think that's, uh, you know, if the dog does not have any kind of a bite history, um, then I think we can give you a lot of uh, support and help socializing the dog information. There are great people in the city to work with. Um, Unfortunately, uh, when the virus hit, we were just about to roll out a program in all of our shelters for additional training. That's been put on hold. uh, So that we were going to have training for our staff, for our volunteers, and for our adopters to bring their dogs back. Now, that's only on hold for a few months, but meantime, we do have people on staff who know the dogs, and if you're having any kind of a problem with the dog that you take home, call us, contact us, email me, I'll get you in touch with the right person so that they can make suggestions. For dogs that do have a bite history, we usually send those to rescues who have special people and special trainers who know how to work with those dogs to rehabilitate them. We are not going to knowingly put a dog with a bite history out into a home uh, with someone who is not really trained uh, and able to handle and work with that dog the way they need to be worked with. Some dogs, you know, I have a dog that I adopted uh, about 10 years ago. She's 12 years old now. And I had to hand feed her for about six weeks before I could really do anything with her, get my hands on her, brush her, and that sort of thing. But you know what? That dog has no bite instinct. She Mm -hmm. likes big dogs. She likes little dogs. She's the best dog I've ever had. But I Mm -hmm. had to put some time in her. I think that's so important for all of us to really understand. I think these alerts are teaching me who spend so much time working with rescues and trying to save lives. It's just teaching me all the things we can do. But beyond that, we really do have the opportunity here to create a larger network of people who could be more aware of what is necessary. Absolutely. One of the things that is so rewarding is when you do have a case and you overcome any kind of insecurity, etc., from an animal, and then you bond together, I think that relationship can almost be like no other. Absolutely. They are so non-judgmental and so forgiving, and they're always there. It's it's an amazing experience to um, have that kind of a relationship with a dog. And I don't think there's anything, I mean, I love my horse, I love my cat, but there's something real, really about a dog and having that kind of a bond that uh, you can't replace it. So, Joan, do you have anything to add to this before we move on to volunteers and foster apps? Well, as far as dogs that have issues or little issues, non-biting dogs, I always tell people, just like Brenda, you have to 
let them decompress, give them a little time. Sometimes I've had dogs in my house, so I just leave them alone. I ignore them. I just let them get used to the environment. And yes, take them out. When you first get a dog on leash, take them through the house. Let them smell everything. You don't let them stop. You take him outside, and you do that a few times until he goes. That's his little poopy or pee. And you praise him. You do that to let them know this is where they go so that people don't get so upset about an accident in the house. Some of them have accidents, and you just have to redirect that. They all come around. That's all I can say is no matter what the issue might be, they just come around. Some take longer like the one Brenda was hand-feeding for six weeks. So do either of you advise, let's say, somebody who wants to foster who may not be experienced to find a crate or an area where when you bring a shelter pet into your house and you have a little bit of anticipation about it, is that a good idea or is that not such a good direction? Well, I love crate training. Uh, I mean, for... not necessarily to confine them all the time, to give them their own little safe place to go when they need a break. You know, my dogs, uh, all well, not all my dogs, but I have, I do have crates in the house. I definitely, with a young dog, I let them sleep in a crate at night so they don't shoot up something that could hurt them, they could get into their stomach. Um, but I find that with crates in the house, sometimes the dogs who, who don't, that crate doesn't even belong to will go into somebody else's crate to take a break. And it's just a, it's a safe place for them to go. And, you know, uh, I feed my dogs in their crates and, and then they just easily run in there. And, you know, it's dinner time, it's breakfast time. And then they can sleep in there at night or not, depending on the dog, the age of the dog and whether, how much they get into. Absolutely. But that people can find crates, either airline crates, or wire crates, they could go online and find them and have them mailed to them. So I think if they don't want to go out to get one. My experience so far is that the pet stores are open, that some of them are closing earlier. Right. And I don't know how their inventory is, but, but, but yeah, that's just in my experience. You know, it becomes an organic process, and I can't tell you how enriched the experiences because, you know, I'm a journalist and I'm not a rescue, but throughout the years, I just think back to every animal I've ever fostered. And um, I just can't tell you how I feel, how good I feel for having done that. So with that said, Brenda, how can people sign up to foster at LA City? I love that question because that's really the thing that saves animals' lives. It gives us so much information about the pet that you're fostering so that when you bring it back, if you do bring it back, then we have so much more information to tell the next family that really does adopt it. And we find sometimes that our foster families not only do the fostering, but when they bring the dog back, they they bring with them a close friend who wants to do the adoption who already knows the dog. It's pretty easy right now. We have the foster application on file if you've never fostered with us before. So you would um, fill that out and identify one, two, or three animals that you want to foster. Now, I'll be honest with you right now, 
a lot of the small dogs have been uh, put into foster already. Uh, we have more people waiting for small dogs, and we have small dogs right now, but that won't last. That was this week. Next week, it'll be totally different. Uh, right now, we really need fosters for larger dogs. You know, if you want a small dog, don't let that stop you from putting in your application. Uh, so you put that in, and uh, if you have identified, if the animal is pictured on the website, it means it's still in the shelter. If you look one day and you say, oh, that's a dog I want to foster, and you go back the next day and the picture's not there, that means that dog has already gone to foster. But you get the A number, which is the ID number, off of the picture, and you uh, let us know what that is. And uh, after you fill out the application, someone will call you, and um, they'll uh, review the scheduled appointments. They'll tell you whether the dog or dogs you're interested in or cat or cats are there, and uh, then they'll set up an appointment. And we're, we, we have to do the appointments to keep everyone safe, the staff, the person who wants to foster, and everyone in the community because I'm trying to um, reduce the close contact of people during this time is critically important. Absolutely. All of us who are so concerned for the safety of the animals in your care, you do screen for people who may be not the best choices to take in an animal for whatever negative reasons we could be thinking about. That's always on your mind in LA City because I see that you do a lot of work to prevent dogs who could be sold for nothing on Craigslist or end up in dog fighting or end up in a situation where they're being bred. So speaking of the breeding, you also are passing along an animal that has been neutered or spayed, correct? Correct. They've been spayed or neutered. They've been uh, fully vaccinated as they're four months old or older. They've even had their rabies vaccine. They also have a microchip, and that's really important. In case they get out, I mean, they could get out and lose their dog collar and their dog tag, but they're not going to lose that microchip. Uh, and that's the way we can really get a dog home to you or a cat or a bunny. We, we microchip dogs, cats, and bunnies when they leave the shelter. Oh, that's great news. We can use those, to use the microchip numbers to get them home to you. The other thing that we do is we take a copy of your California driver's license or your state ID. Uh, and that way we have we know who has that animal uh, we have we can track it to the microchip and we we do have a list in our computer of people that we we call them DNAs and that's do not adopt those are people uh, who have either got some kind of a record that would mean they can't have animals in their home uh, or, or for whatever reason uh, and then those people we do not adopt to that's very reassuring, Brenda, because, you know, those of us in rescue or networking, we know all of this, but the normal person who is listening to our show today who may be home and maybe wants to have this new experience while they're in lockdown, as we title the show, Sheltering in Place with a Shelter Pet, what we really want to be aware of is that they may not have all of this information available. So I think this is 
very important. And as we come to a close, I want to just do a big shout out to all of LA City's volunteers or staff, particularly the staff. I don't know if volunteers are coming into work right now, but your staff are really doing an extraordinary public service by coming to work every day. So tell us a little bit about how your staff is getting through this time. Yeah, well, thank you for mentioning uh, our terrific staff. I've been here uh, a little over nine years now, and I, I have to tell you that every year I have grown in respect and gratitude for the work that they do, um, whether it's out in the fields, whether it's doing extreme rescues of a, an animal that's caught up high in a tree, or whether it's wildlife, or whether it's in the shelter. We have an incredible team, um, and they are good-spirited. They're hanging in there. You know, they're not complaining. They're coming up with new ideas every day of, of what we could do better. I mean, they're the ones who said, let's do this drive-by so they can get the fosters out faster. I mean, they're just dedicated people. And, you know, we, I think we're very lucky here in Los Angeles. We did because of the um, directive about the number of people that could be in buildings and spaces. Uh, we were all told that our volunteers and unpaid interns uh, cannot work during this time. So we have over 3,000 amazing volunteers. And, um, you know, if they're listening to this, we miss you. <laughs> we, we want you back, but we also want to keep you safe. So right now, uh, we'll let the staff do the heavy lifting. They're doing, not only are they feeding and cleaning, but they've worked out a, a routine so that they can do some enrichment. You'll be seeing some videos uh, online pretty soon about, you know, the dogs are still getting their playgroups and their walks and their exercise. And we're trying to keep the numbers in the shelters as low as possible just so we can give them the care they need. And that's why fostering is so important. If you've got a foster dog at home, you can give it the walk and the play and the exercise. But we need to get our numbers down and keep them down so that we can do that for the dogs we have in our care. That's really very heartwarming, Brenda. Thank you for that. That was just made me feel like you are really filling a void here and everybody I want to reiterate uh, keeping the numbers down is such an incredible concept so whatever frustrations you're having with your pet just know there's always got to be so many other solutions before bringing your animal to a shelter and we also are reassured that in the shelter those that are in LA City are getting all of this amazing care so, Joan, what, what were your last comments? I'm glad you just mentioned that about um, bringing dogs to the shelter because L.A. City, if you read what Brenda had posted, they're asking people not to surrender their animals because of fear of the virus. Brenda, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yes. Uh, people, you know... I'm, People always are concerned, but uh, the American Veterinary Medical Association and the World Council of Health have not found cases of this COVID-19 in dogs. Uh, it, it's safe for you to be around them. Um, you know, there's actually, you probably feel better, have lower blood pressure, less anxiety. If you do have a dog in your home or a cat <laughs> or a bunny, whatever your favorite pet is. 
uh, it's just a healthier thing. So unless there's an emergency, if, if there's a health issue, if a dog is injured, we want those to come in because we've got our veterinarians uh, in every shelter ready to do what needs to be done. But just because you're a little bit concerned or even one of the things that I saw today on Facebook, there was a, a cute little black and white dog who had probably gotten out of his fence and he, they had a picture of him sort of smelling the flowers in the neighborhood. And uh, people were like, you know, how can we get him into the shelter? And, you know, I didn't respond immediately. And in a few minutes, someone posted, oh, I know that dog. He lives on the corner and they gave two streets that he lived on. And Aww. they got him home. You know, so grabbing a dog and running into the shelter at this time is not the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. Look in your own neighborhood and try to, um, you know, find a um, find out where the dog lives. I mean, we do have shelter-at-home programs where you can find this dog, let us know, send us a picture, and check them for a microchip, and we'll, you know, we'll keep them, or we'll let you keep them for up to 30 days and foster at home. That's a great program, and it helps, and chances are most people are finding that dog lives in my neighborhood, and I can just get him home myself. Absolutely. So, you know, there are ways that people can help and without, you know, having to bring them into the shelter. I think that's such good advice, and I mean, quite frankly, um, right now, uh, because people are home, you have a lot of people watching out for each other and watching out for our pets. So uh, my last point to bring up before we close will be, what is the best way you'd like the public to reach out to your shelters? Is it email? Is there phone lines? Have you had to um, deplete your phone staff during this time? How do people reach you? And um, if people have questions and they're not sure, um, do you have anything on your website about fostering that people can read? Or would they just uh, learn by perhaps calling somebody at the shelter? Well, we always want to get your phone calls and your emails, and, and, you know, I don't mind it all being emailed, but we did put, uh, when you go on the shelter, when you go onto our website, LA Animal Services, uh, you'll see a bar across the top that says we're closed, but you can still foster and adopt, and if you click on that, it takes you to the exact directions for how you can do that, and, and so we're trying to covered the information as much as possible. Today we just released a press release on what do you do if you find baby kittens in your yard. Uh, trying to help give some people some guidance on that because, you know, fostering baby kittens, if you're going to be at home, that could be a great project for you and your family. So we're, we're just trying, we're every day we're putting out some new information and trying to get as much out to the public as possible. Now, but, you know, you can always email. My email is Brenda, period, Barnett, with an E, at lacity.org. And I'm pretty good at answering emails uh, pretty quick. You swamp me, I may, it may take me a day or two, but I, I do try to be as responsive as possible. Um, this is such an important time and such important work. We have to keep our shelter workers healthy. If we don't keep our two-legged shelter workers healthy, then... It won't do our four-legged shelter guests much good. Oh, absolutely. And I want to endorse how 
incredible you are, Brenda, because I write you often for a number of things, obviously always to save a dog's life, get more time, etc. And every single time you are so quick about response and very thorough. So in closing, I want to thank you and everyone at LA City for stepping up. You know, one of the things that we realize in Los Angeles we are a city that just loves our pets. We have such a terrific um, uh, care and love and environment for animals with the outdoors and everybody is very respectful. And I think one of the things we feared during this lockdown and this crisis um, was, I know I for one was very concerned how our city shelters would be dealing with this and how, in fact, it would affect our four-legged friends. So today, I, for one, feel much better after talking to you. And Joan, in a closing comment, what would you like to say? LA City shelters and their staff always try to help. Anytime that I've reached out, all the staff do their job, they do it with love. And they do it because they want to help. Well, that is so beautiful. So we at America Speaks are asking all of you who've heard today's episode to truly consider fostering. This is something that can enrich your life, but more than that, it actually does save lives. And after this pandemic and emergency has subsided, one of the things I think you'll realize is that learning about fostering is something that can add to your family and to perhaps bringing even in a friend to your pet that you already have, and it will enrich your lives for time to come. So we're very grateful to all of you listening out there, and I want to thank you, Brenda Burnett, for such a wonderful episode today. This has been a pleasure to have you on America Speaks. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. And thank you, Joan Scachamara of Adopt to Chow LA. And all of you, please write to Brenda for any questions. That's Brenda.Barnett with an E at LACity.org. Also, um, I want to ask everyone, if you have any questions or comments on today's show, you can always write to me at americaspeakspodcast at gmail.com. And we look forward to hearing from everyone. And please send us some information about the pet you decide to foster. We can't wait to learn what you're encountering and the great experience this is for you. My book, We Protest, Fighting for What We Believe In, that was released on March 10th. My book tour has been postponed during this time. I want to ask everyone to please go to Amazon or to Barnes and Nobles where you can get your own copy. And I will hope to resume my book tour as soon as the coast is clear and we are past these very difficult times. If you have protested for anything in the past three years, you could very well be in this book. This book is about you taking your power back, you owning your voice, and you demanding what's best for your future and your children's future, because we're in very, very important times. And remember, America Speaks believes every one of us has a story. And a voice. Oh.